Support for this episode comes from Verda Liquids. Verda supply a range of hygienic and industrial pumps to use in brewing, distilling, and beverage manufacturing. There are so many factors in play with any pumping system. Choosing the right pump can be a tricky decision. That's why Verda offer every customer a consultation to tailor the correct solution. What's even better is this is available at your site and your convenience. So Verda get a full understanding of your process. Verda supply breweries, distilleries, and beverage manufacturers across Europe and have helped reduce energy consumption, maintenance times, and running costs for customers. Contact Verda today and let's take the headache out of pumping. An astrophysicist and brewer walk into a bar. No, this isn't the start of a joke. And in this instance, we're actually talking about the same person. Bobby Fleshman is the founder of McFleshman's in Appleton, Wisconsin. Located a stone's throw away from Green Bay, home of the NFL's Green Bay Packers football team, Bobby is busy plying his trade in the world of another cultural pillar, the creation of great beer. In this episode, we speak to the brewery's owner about his love of classic English and German beer styles, a commitment to cask, and the parallels that exist in the world of brewing and his earlier career with the little-known space agency known as NASA. Hello and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal. And I'm Ross McPherson. The brewing industry is a rich tapestry, comprised of countless individuals from all walks of life. Some trained from early on, laser-focused on a career in beer. Some have come into the sector from other careers and professions. But all bring their own diverse skill sets to the role they play in the wide world of brewing. And Bobby Fleshman is no different. But it's been a while. He means never that we featured a brewer who used to be on the books of NASA. But, as they say, there's a first time for everything. My path into beer really started in in graduate school. I was learning to be an astrophysicist, and I eventually I find myself working for NASA, but I'll I'll get to that in a little bit. I was looking, though, for a hobby, or I found a hobby. It found me, and some friends of mine were brewing the, the extract beer. You can you can think back how you've probably heard this many times from other brewers, starting with simple batches, falling in love with the romance of or being romanced by it. And so what was a hobby soon took over my life. And this all sounds like other things you've heard from other brewers. And uh, before I knew it, I had something that I wanted to open a, a, a brewery with or a career that, that I wanted to follow up on professionally. But I yet didn't yet know how to convolve that with with what I had been doing, what I had been working toward in, in the realm of physics. But uh, eventually, I found myself in the University of Colorado Boulder, actually working for an expat. Uh, she uh, her name is Fran Bagenal, and she she went to a university at Lancaster. That's what I, how I know her her lineage best, and which is west of I guess York, uh, west of Leeds even. Anyway, so I was staying with her, and, and uh, my payment for living there was to make her a good bidder, and I made that in her basement as my room and board, effectively. And I repeated the, that process over and again, 
and I was in in that in that community surrounded by all this fantastic craft beer and seeing what could come of it from a from an artistic level. And uh, so yeah, living in Boulder, uh, that punctuated that sealed the deal for me. I realized that I could could uh, do this. It scratched my artistic itch. Uh, eventually, I made my way into uh, brewing school, and uh, that was in the University of California in 2012, or maybe it was 13. And at that point in time, I was sitting in front of another expat. His name was Michael Lewis. Can't tell you exactly where he was from, but he was he's a he's a sentinel in the field of brewing, going back to the 50s and 60s. So I, I had my fears that maybe this was just uh, an avenue I was choosing and and never to, to actually connect my degree with. But here I had in front of me someone who had a microbiology, a chemistry background, and uh, he showed me the, he showed us all the paths in that class. And I'm sure he's done that 20, 30 times over through the years. But I found that, yeah, he captivated the audience, as it were, uh, as to the importance of what it is to be a brewer and how challenging it would be. So yeah, I started my 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 scientific brain sort of took over, and started to really see how I could turn this into a business and do something bigger for the industry at large. While Bobby is now a brewery owner making a raft of excellent beer, he holds the view that just because you're doing one thing in life doesn't mean you've left the past behind. My life's journey has taken me a couple of different paths. Well, I consider it one contiguous path. And, and uh, I never really fall out of love with one thing and move on to the next. I always just figure out a way to build on that thing I just did and go into the next step. For me, originally I was building homes. That's something my dad did. And so as I grew up, I, I did a lot of that. And that, that really fed one part of my brain. But eventually someone gave me a book on physics and I realized I didn't, didn't understand the world around me. And that sent me on a very long journey. Uh, that, that culminated in a career with, with NASA, a brief one at the end of my graduate career, uh, where I was working on the Cassini mission, which was uh, studying Saturn and its, and its moons. And that was fun because I was able to really dive deep into molecular chemistry and build models relating to that. And, and then you can see where all of this might, might connect back with, with brewing on some level. So I, I became sort of a, an amateur chemist while I was a physicist at the same time. And, and uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm just always stretching my boundaries, but I never fell out of love with, with, with working in, with NASA and with, with the Laboratory for Atmospheric and Space Physics, and that's where I worked there in Boulder. I just found uh, another path, and I wanted to connect back with something uh, down-to-earth, so to speak, and, and uh, see what I can do to, to further an industry uh, beyond just the artistry that it provides me. While McFleshman's is a valuable and loved part of the Wisconsin beer scene, setting up in the city of Appleton came to be as a result of Bobby's wife Alison McCoy Fleshman taking a position as a chemistry professor at nearby Lawrence University. She and Bobby met in graduate school at the University of Oklahoma and have been homebrewing together since 2006. Alison provides chemical support as well as bringing Lawrence students into the mix providing internships for chemistry and biochemistry students that are interested in the food and beverage science industry. My wife and I are both academics, actually. I'm a physicist, she's a chemist, and we were looking for a place where, because she sort of followed my dreams at each step, and at this point in time, uh, I said, Let, why don't you pick a spot that, that you can end up as a tenured faculty member, uh, and I can brew beer anywhere. I feel like that's, that's easier to, to, uh, to adapt. 
So she picked a couple of locations. One was Australia, then Vermont, and then uh, here it is in, near Green Bay, Wisconsin. And she asked me, and I was in brewing school at the time, she said, do, do any of these uh, places, would any of these places be a good one to open a brewery? And if you're familiar with the region, if you're familiar with the United States at all, you'll, you'll be very aware that Wisconsin might be the biggest uh, of the drinking states, beer appreciating states, let's put it that way. Uh, they, they compared, they're compared only to the, the, the uh, Czech Republic in terms of per capita consumption. So I almost dropped the phone laughing. And, and uh, so I think that whenever she asked me that, it was a no-brainer. So I think that, no, I'm settled. This is home for me. I, I love the history of beer. I love everything uh, that people continue to embrace about it here. I even like the winters here, believe it or not. It's, it's a beautiful place with seasons. Oklahoma does not have those, and I'll always have a special place in my heart for Oklahoma, but it has four shades of summer, and this this has a very much more German sort of uh, feel to it, and I guess that's why they may have settled here so, so much as they did. Things have changed in the years that those people settled in Wisconsin, and for Bobby, immigration has left an indelible mark on the brewing scene in the city. So locally, this is... We're near, we're near the city of Milwaukee. Milwaukee, and in, in, uh, there's a syllable missing in that if you say it correctly. Milwaukee uh, is the home of some of the uh, great American lager brewers. And, and they were industrial lager makers so many, almost 300 years ago at this point. It, it was started by and followed by many German immigrants in this region. Actually, there's a pretty strong Irish contingency in here as well. So I, I would say that's what people really have uh, invested their hearts and souls in is these lager beers, these, these German-inspired ones. So that's, that was up until I would say, and I'm not from here originally, I'm from Oklahoma in the central United States, so about a 14-hour drive from here. But from the outside looking in and in, then in living here, I would say that in the last 15 years, it's rapidly moved to uh, the same sort of mindset as the rest of the country. Uh, where it started with double IPAs in the early 2000s. And now we're on to, as we mentioned, all the different flavors of the week. And there, there is a staunch uh, regiment of people that buy these, these classic lagers and embrace them. And that's the only thing they will ever want to, to drink. And, but you're also seeing maybe, I would say it could be uh, age-driven, but I think it's more than that. You're seeing another group that is embracing the, the, the trends. And they're looking for just just uh, to be excited week by week. So, yeah, I think we're seeing a, an evolution in one part of, of the beer world here. But I think you're seeing a, a strong contingency that's sticking with the, the classics, especially the, the German styles. And it's the recreation of styles that are synonymous in German and English brewing that Bobby most enjoys creating. These beers, yeah, exactly. They really spoke to the technical side of, of me. And I, I was just in love with how they sort of, I don't want to say accidentally, but, but they, over the years, over the centuries, had evolved into what they have become. And I just think about those external constraints that people were working with, with in the beginning, uh, water chemistry and, and uh, raw ingredients and so on, and how they all sort of combined and how there was uh, implicit trial and error at play. And, and I just come in the process, never mind the process, which is the really the German's approach. And 
And I really, I, I couldn't see myself moving on too quickly from that into some of the more fashionable styles that, that have taken over the world. And, and I definitely hope that there's a, a market in the long run for such things as we do, that there's a, a market appreciation for those kinds of beers because there's, there's an elegance and a challenge to pulling those, those off at the quality of, that they have been pulled off by the, the great English and German brewers. Right. On some level, I think we have to all remind ourselves that all of these styles were new at some point, even if they didn't realize it, it because the timescales were for market infiltration were so different that what we call classic was new at some point. So I do have to acknowledge that. But again, speaking to that timescale, we live in such a attention deficit disordered world. Uh, it's just it's moving too quickly, even for for some of these businesses, even for them to keep up with sometimes. So there, there has to be a sweet spot here, for sure. In producing his own recreation of beers such as Doppelbox, Heller's Lagers, and an array of cast condition numbers, Bobby has learned much about beer. But he's also learned a lot about himself, too. Yeah, the, the field of brewing is, is just compatible with my personality. Like you said, to, to learn and to challenge my myself. Uh, academia is as uh, pure and honest approach to to learning as, as they, as it, as it can be, you know, you'll go through writing papers and going through peer review process and, and just really holding yourself to the fundamental truth of nature and, and leaving opinion at the door as best as you, as you can, you have to recognize we're human and there's bias, but yeah, absolutely. Moving from one, moving from and through academia on into this industry, uh, I can't leave that piece of me behind for one thing. My wife is a chair of the chemistry faculty, so I'm very much connected with the university still. And uh, the I have students come here and and study under me and do internships. Uh, we're always obsessed with with educating them and working with uh, researchers at the university. And uh, yeah, basically just just furthering the industry. I wouldn't be doing this for the beer itself. The beer itself, I can make good flavored beer in my basement. And, and give that to as many friends as, as would have it. But that's not why I did this. I did this to improve the, the way we approach making beer, the efficiencies at which we, we do produce it, uh, repeatability and getting a handle on quality at the smallest scales. Those are just some of the things I want to continue to do. And I love challenge. And the day that it becomes all solved, and I'll just move on to the next thing. But I, I'm very much, I'm very confident that that's never going to be the case. We're, we're just pulling layers uh, over uh, upon layer off of this onion and it's just it seems like there's just so much to, to deal with in the brewing industry i'm not bored i never will be and it's that first for knowledge and the desire to learn that continues to drive bobby i'm remembering a joke in graduate school was that you're able to you're ready to defend your your thesis at the point where so you you, you go from knowing a, a lot about a little ultimately everything about nothing and at that point you are ready to defend your your dissertation and and i realized that it's, it's a, a piece of me sort of responded to going to that extreme to learning everything there is to know about absolutely nothing to wanting to to back up a little bit and take a high level approach and and to manage a lot of people and doing their own projects and all these various fields and to pull it all together in a very different way so I guess I'm just really having this realization as we're having this call that, that that's probably why I uh, 
have moved in part into this industry because I do want to broaden my perspective and get away from that very focused approach of, that I did with that one project. Broadening your horizons and showing a willingness and ability to adapt were qualities that proved invaluable, especially during a challenging year. It's not the business that you want to have at, at the start or during a pandemic. It's not commensurate to, well, we built a place that was intended to have people shoulder to shoulder, maybe grabbing an instrument off the wall, playing an Irish hymn, whatever it may be, drinking stouts and singing, and all of those just did not play well with the conditions that we've been experiencing worldwide the last 16 months. So we had to, and we knew this at the outset, we had to quickly, I'm going to avoid all those, those words, but we had to quickly uh, change what we had been doing and think about what the world would be looking like these next 16 months. Well, we didn't know how many months, but we knew we were in it for the long haul. So we shifted all of our product into cans. We bought a canning machine. We had very little, if any, bottled product on the shelf at that point because we were our model was really based on getting people both in our own tap room and at local establishments that had us on draft. So we knew we had to quickly get our stuff onto the shelves at, at grocery stores and liquor stores. So we bought a canning machine, and then I started to run the numbers, knowing the margins are small as they are. I knew then, okay, we have to actually increase our volume. And that's now if you ponder that just a moment, we're talking about increasing our volume during all of this. And, and that was a, a daunting decision to make, but we knew that to make it work, we had to do that. So we bought more tanks and we, we actually expanded our capacity during during the pandemic uh, when others were timid about even continuing on as they were and again it, it was it was all for all of those reasons but but it was also because I, I was concerned about mental health of my staff and having nothing to do during what was going to be a very long haul so I decided we we're going to do everything we could to keep it open and in in the midst of all that growing our brand growing our name staying on the minds of our clients and our, our fans and instead of and, and this isn't to, to say anything bad about anyone but instead of having our hands out and waiting for someone to come rescue us we decided to go for it and we definitely did have some rescue don't get me wrong but uh, we did not sit on our hands with, with with that we wanted to do what we could to advance our brand uh, just seeing that we needed to recreate ourselves at least in the short term. Now let's hope that it, the world, when it returns to whatever the normal is, uh, comes back to us. And we, again, have created this new uh, awareness out there in the market of, of who we are. And unsurprisingly, McFleshman's were not the only ones in the market for a new canning line last year. There was a four-month delay before we were able, maybe even longer actually, before we were able to acquire the machine because every brewery was, was experiencing the same dilemma uh, of our scale. So there was a lot of orders going in. Uh, so it took four months to finally get that machine. We, coincidentally, we were actually already making that order at the beginning of, of the pandemic, before the pandemic even started. But in any case, uh, or maybe it would have been even longer. So we had a Crowler machine, these 32-ounce cans, and, th and that's where, that was the way out in, in the short term because everyone was trying to support us in every way possible. So that we, they, people would be buying from uh, mobile apps or from their car, whatever they would call. There was a number of ways to get them directly in the hands of the consumer. Uh, a lot of our liquor stores, grocery stores were taking those crawlers. Uh, again, this is back when 
a, a, a very strange moment in the pandemic when we were all just making it happen. And then quickly it started to settle back down into to something like a normal a few months into the, the pandemic that we were still, we had to get our stuff into smaller packs. So 12 ounce cans. And believe it or not, we were hand canning everything. So we can imagine maybe for a few hundred bucks, we had a couple of, of uh, beer guns that we were hand pulling triggers, uh, flushing with oxygen and the whole thing. And then we had a little seamer that but one by one, we were seaming these cans, these lids on. And uh, I have uh, an oxygen meter that allows me to, to identify whether or not the, the package is free of oxygen and therefore shelf stable against becoming stale. And they, in fact, were, were packaged at, at a standard that might make Anheuser-Busch blush. So it, even though it was incredibly labor intensive, it was uh, really well, it was a stable product. But man, did we, we had scars and, and bruises from, from doing as much work as we did manually in those days. And, and it may have been in those four months, it may have been at a loss at some times. But that's what we had to do to keep the machine moving until our, well, metaphorical machine moving until the literal machine arrived. And while the new canning line has significantly boosted the brewery's small pack capabilities, they received the perfect send-off for their manual approach too. But yeah, that's how we did it. Uh, we connected from most from the beginning to, to about June or July of the pandemic when our machine arrived and then there was Rejoice. Of course, it came with its challenges. But that last batch that we hand-canned, we sent to our Great American Beer Festival and won a medal for English bitter. So I, I, I would have to say that that was poignant. Uh, the last one that we hand-canned went off with this handmade label and won one of our probably our biggest award. For Bobby and the team going forward, Cask continues to play a key role in their plans and they want more patrons far and wide to be able to enjoy this type of beer. Well, this last year we've been working on a packaging revamps. That's a whole other conversation, getting getting your design and your packaging and coherency all, all in, in a line. And we've had a lot of heated debates on, on the wording and the infographics and all these sorts of things. It goes on and on. Things no one will ever notice unless it's, unless it's wrong. So, so we've, we've invested in that. We've created an awareness out there. We've figured out which brands really work. And we're, we think we're going to see a, a push from our small pack into draft. That's our preferred package for all the reasons. But we will probably maintain a certain level of small pack. But again, our, our push is to get the freshest beer out there as possible, and that's going to be through draft. And then on the other side, uh, the other extreme is our, our Cascales. We do more Cascales than anyone in, in this state, uh, not because we are that big, but just because no one puts any attention to that. We have four beer engines downstairs, so we're going to see a lot more of that, a lot of open their eyes to the majesty, I can say that on this podcast, of a cast ale and a properly poured one. Uh, so we're seeing that that pop up. We're seeing a lot of these restaurants embrace it. So we'll see that grow. We'll see more of the real ale grow. And if there becomes a, a group of people that want that at large, that'll be a bigger part of our business. Our German loggers are the, they pay the bills for us. Uh, we have a classic German Hellas style uh, that. Munich Hella style that that does pay our bills so to speak and it is growing in popularity day by day and then we have a, a Czech Pilsner and then a Vienna Lager 
it's really that triad that we expect to to put most of our investment towards. But if we can grow that English part of our, our brand, or we're looking at can conditioning those, and that gets a, a very uh, gets the simple package to to the consumer and let them learn about what a what a cast condition ale might be like as best we can simulate it in, in that package. As we continue to emerge from this pandemic, McFleshman's, like so many others, have had to show how they can overcome numerous challenges thrown their way. And for Bobby, a background in problem solving has come in pretty handy indeed. Oh, absolutely. So what it means to be a physicist, whenever I answer that question to anyone, if I'm sitting on in an airline next to somebody, what I would tell them is that physicists are, are problem solvers. Uh, physicists are, are people that think analytically, simplify problems to, to their core fundamentals. And I think that's really, again, that everything I have done, even before I was a physicist, I, was, I must have been thinking like one, uh, before and after that has, has really served me well. The brewing industry, brewing, brewing is an extremely challenging and rewarding field. That's what really drew me to it. Again, there's an artistry piece to it, and that's certainly uh, something that I that I am attracted to. But it's the technical part that really gets me. And uh, yeah, brewing is not linear. There's so many different types of systems, and so many different sciences that are involved. The Brewers Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media. Produced and hosted by me, Tim Sheehan. And me, Ross McPherson. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision is by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And a special thank you to Bobby Fleshman of McFleshman's in Appleton, Wisconsin. <laughs>